0: Hi, my name's Libby Tozer. In My Body, It's All Connected, the exhibition for me is all about exploring ocean waste and the effect that we're having on the ocean and in turn the effect that the damage that we're causing to the ocean is having on us and our, in a physical sense in our bodies because ultimately I believe we're all connected. So initially it was inspired by a video I saw... What the whale image the condoli image was inspired by a video i saw of a whale trapped in shark nets on the east coast which are put there to keep swimmers safe to keep sharks out and they actually catch whales in them quite often the whales become stranded from other whales from their babies they get deep cuts from thrashing in the in the nets So even if they actually survive, if they don't drown in the actual net, they can later go on and die from their injuries or have quite a horrific recovery time. And personally, I don't think we should be netting sharks out of beaches. So that's the first bit of it. And then obviously at the moment, the river's in flood and it's the Murray River's in flood and it's flooding a lot of people's houses and land and hopefully it's giving everything a good flush out but unfortunately as it flushes out as it runs down the river it's also collecting all of our debris and I mean all these shacks that are flooding down the river have septic systems so all of this is going to flush out all the way from New South Wales from parts of Queensland and New South Wales, it's going to run all through this river system the whole way down and flush out where we are at the river mouth at Goolwa. So we've allowed ourselves to build houses on floodplains and not that that's often the people's fault who built them because they didn't even know that they're living on a floodplain or we do understand that we're living on a floodplain but we don't understand what that actually means. And there's so much interwoven into this about greed and using resources incorrectly and allowing people to have their whole livelihoods or their, their homes destroyed because we've put them in the wrong spot. The other thing that I find really distressing is that as this water runs down the Murray up further north at the moment, I've learned through my interviews, it's already causing an epoxic river, which... Means all the chemical runoff from all the pesticides and everything that's running off into the river is actually choking the river itself and killing all the fish. And this is happening way up north at the moment where this flooding's kind of beginning. So all these pesticides and the runoff and the, all this toxic stuff is running out our river. And eventually it's on its way at the moment. It's going to run straight out through the, it's going to flood the Kurong and straight out into the water and while that water will... into the ocean and while that water will do good and it will revitalise lots of things, the external consequence of the way that we don't look after this land that we live on, that we're blessed to call home, I really believe we have a joint responsibility to look after at a personal level but also on a higher government level, we, we need to have better responsibility about not using toxic pesticides that will cook, kill animals but they also kill us. I mean, septic in the river system is pretty unideal but there's so much to a flooding event that goes unsaid and then there's so much to what we do as humans has such a direct effect on everything around us. I also learnt with one of the un- other interviews I did about the effects of pollution just running off the land up in Port Piri directly into the ocean and the effects that that's having on the local area in that realistically it's not safe to fish from that water anymore because the fish are all full of all well, the mussels and the seabed is all full of toxins, mercury, which doesn't give you an instant food poisoning reaction, actually just kills you slowly. But obviously the bit that's missing from that puzzle is something eats the muscles and then the something that eats the muscles gets eaten by something else and then that gets eaten by something else. And then maybe that thing that's getting a bit bigger swims a long way away and then maybe we catch that. My understanding is, as the toxins start way down the bottom of the food chain with that muscle, eventually they work their way right up to the top. And if you're, if we're a, per, a person, which I am, who eats, consumes seafood, we really don't know. We're at the mercy of the food chain. We're at the top of the food chain and the toxins have the ability to get stronger and stronger as they go up through the food chain. So ultimately, physically, we actually are all connected through our food chain, through our lifestyle, through through the pollution that we're contributing to. And I guess on a spiritual level for me, I believe we are all connected to. I also believe it's all of our responsibility to enact change here in ways that we can to pressure governments and policymakers to make better decisions about the use of toxins, about flooding or not flooding, about the man-made issues in regards to floods, about where housing's built. And all of this is a really, really big issue. I'm going to take it right back to one of the other interviews, which was, my. I feel for me, one of the most powerful takeaways from another scientist was that if we're on the beach and we see plastic and we pick up just four or five pieces of plastic every day... We're removing that plastic from the ocean system. We're removing it from the food chain. It's a really simple act, and it can have a really big effect. So while all of this seems daunting and a bit horrible in many ways, none of us want to imagine an animal with a plastic bag over its head. But if we pick them up, we can stop that. Or we might stop it. And there's a little bit of hope in there for me. So... If you take anything away from all of this, it could just be to pick up your rubbish. Don't allow plastic bags to just float around and eventually end up in a creek that's going to run into the river, into the ocean. Pick up your rubbish is is the easiest solution for all of this for me. Going, it's not a solution, obviously. Picking up your rubbish is something that we can all do now. And depending how fiery you are about this, and how much more information you want how much further you want to dig down the rabbit hole of it all and how much of your life you really want to put into this, you might be able to enact change on a bigger, broader scale. But thank you for being here. Thank you for immersing yourself in these interviews, in the project and being part of the conversation.
1: Nānawi mītchi kailari mqus. Nānawi lakanyedi Pultang. Ngāpi Lewan Pultung. Ngāpi nāchi Kungari Nori Nunundi Kondali. Ngāpi Piltengi Platjingan Munkumbuli Kachadi Nudanjedi Mimini. My name is Kyla McHughes. My clan is Nudanjedi Ramanjedi. My birthplace is Victor Harbour and I live in Victor Harbour. My totems are the Pelican, Black Swan, Red Belly Black Snake and the Whale. I'm a strong, proud, smart and good-looking Naranjeti woman. In Naranjeti culture, we have our Miwi and that's in our munkery, in our belly, in our stomach and our Miwi is our spirit and our vibe and our energy. So our Miwi is connected to every living thing around us, to the lands, to the waters, the plants, animals all animals and to our ancestors and also to our nachi which is our totem our nachi or our nacha so it's nachi for one nachi for one Mm -hmm. totem spirit animal or friend or it's nacha for three or more or many so our narchi are our totem, our spirit animal and our friend and everything is connected. So it's our job to look after every single thing that our narchi needs to be in abundance. So if we think about every little thing that one single narchi, one single totem would need to be in abundance, so we would look at does our nachi need clean water is it in the water living in the water or is it near or next to does it have enough food to be in abundance does whatever it eats if it's an animal does that have enough food does it have everything it needs for nesting whether it be you know the orb spiders that have a really sticky web Um, a lot of birds use that for nesting Um, A lot of swans rip out the reeds and make a big nest in the river. So is there everything our narchi need for nesting and for fertility? Is it in trouble of being the prey of another animal? So if that's the case, then we would have to look at that too. Is there an overpopulation of a species? So I've heard a lot of elders talk about in places that... Overpopulation of seagulls. So, our elders would go and find the nests and take the eggs to control the population. And, same goes with sustainability. So, if they were hunting for eggs, swan eggs, if there were, say, seven in there, maybe they would take three and leave the other four. And we would never eat our nachi either. So, All different sub-clans have different nachi and some some different family so it was up to us to look after everything our nachi would need to be in abundance and in return our nachi would guide us and support us. In the Northern culture we always say healthy river healthy people or healthy really healthy people so if If the lands and waters are healthy, we are healthy. And if the lands and waters aren't healthy, we as people aren't healthy either. I sit here as a Nadunjeri Mimini, as a First Nations person, woman. And this Rui, this land, is what we are all going to be leaving to our children. So all of us together need to care for country. It's not just our job to care for country. We invite you down to connect deeply to our country. I invite you to sit and quietly think about what your spirit animal is. What animals are you connected to? And we can all care for country. We don't have to all go out and be gung-ho activists. We're asking you to... Sit and research some things about the NACHI that you feel connected to. What could you do? Are you a spokesperson to look after our NACHI? Do you pick up rubbish when you're out on country? We can all do what we can to save our NACHI and the land and the Rui and the waters, the Prangwathi. So now as our shared future moving together, we all need to care for country together.
2: My name is Gina Elaine, and I'm an artist. And for the last oh, fourteen years, I've been working with um, marine debris and ghost nets. My practice with uh, marine debris started in 2009, when I was approached by Sue Ryan, who had been doing a scoping project for Arts Queensland and Ghostnet Australia to see what Indigenous communities in northern Queensland and the Gulf of Carpentaria had artists who were interested in doing anything with the marine debris to try and help create awareness of this problem and to help them have a, a new way of making income. So a lot of the rangers up in these communities collect all the, all the big drift nets that get cut loose accidentally or otherwise out at sea. From the big fishing boats, and they used to they used to burn them. So, I'd been doing work in Aratuan, Farmers, Queensland, and Sue Ryan had seen what myself and some of the senior artists were doing there with, well, creating sculptural, sculptural weavings. So, it started back then in 2009. Sue Ryan and I did a two-week workshop in Aratuan, and ever since then. I've been tangled up in the nets, I feel this need to collect every bit of plastic I see on the beaches everywhere I go in the world, you know, from in Europe, in Asia, and Australia, anywhere. So, I've been in numerous exhibitions, and I've worked in numerous communities, working with artists from, from those communities, yeah, it's a really serious problem. And the more you sort of look into it the more you realise how much of it is actually real in the oceans. Like we know that there's that we're living in the age of plastics and in years to come, you know, this will be recognised as the the time of the plastic layering of the earth. There's also books out that there's a, a, a recent book called Converge Convergence from Christine Ball or oh, sorry, Catherine Ball. In which she says that in the future we'll be mining, we'll be mining plastics. And part of the reason that I work with the plastics and, and, and heaps of other people do as well is to, to show that we should be doing, doing something about the plastics now. It's been a very interesting journey and one that I'll probably continue to do for the rest of my life from making baskets to fish to installations. And I feel really pleased to be with all these other artists who have got the same mission in mind. And, yeah, there's heaps of research to be done if people are interested in looking at, at Ghost Net Australia, at marine debris, at, you know, like the art movement that's become really big in, in Australia through Arab Arts and Pomparo. Both both communities I've done workshops in with Great Australia. Yeah, enjoy enjoy the works, and it's definitely food for thought because we are definitely living in the age of plastics. And everyone hate well, we have a love hate relationship with plastic. You know, we all we all say, oh, well, we hate plastic, but it's in everything that we use, everything. Our cars, our glasses, our everyday objects, everything plastic is everywhere so it's time that we tried to work towards finding ways to reuse all these plastics and I know there's some women in South Australia who have got a business and part of that business is they make carpet squares which comes from recycled big drift nets from the Philippines and they make them into these carpet tiles that businesses and private people use and those carpets are are quite amazing because when they get worn down they can they can shave them and refresh them or if people want to change their carpets those carpet squares can go back and be recycled and, and, and done all over again so i'm sure there's well i know there's heaps of other businesses out there there's heaps of people trying to do stuff about the plastics okay thank you bye
1: The bottom line is that our plastic pollution is suffocating our beautiful oceans. Every day we make small choices regarding plastic use in our everyday lives and without even realising all those small choices add up to create an incredible overall health impact on our oceans which of course is home to over 200,000 different sea species It provides food, jobs, uh, economic growth. The ocean also plays an integral part in climate regulation. We don't all act now. We don't all work together right now to save and protect our oceans. Our future on planet Earth is looking pretty grim.
3: My name is Clancy and I have grown up with a love for the ocean. Much of my healing throughout my life has happened while walking the many beaches of Australia and around the world. For many years I have collected shells, stones, anything beautiful that I've found along the coastline, and I've taken it home and filled my bedroom with all these treasures. One day when I was walking along the beaches, I was approached by a wise elder. This wise elder asked me one question, what makes you think that these things you collect belong to you. They don't belong to you. They belong here, by the sea. I said, thank you. Thank you for this wisdom. I then went home and I looked at my collections and I realized that he was right. They do not belong to me. They belong on the beaches and in the oceans for the sea creatures to live in, for other people to appreciate as they walk by. So heart-wrenchingly, I collected everything in my room, and I walked back to the beach. With a tear in my eye, I released it back to the sea, and I sat there, feeling a little empty, realizing that I no longer had these treasures in my home. Then, out the corner of my eye, I caught a flash of red, bright red-colored. I reached down to pick it up, and it was plastic. It was a piece of red plastic. And it was beautiful in a very sad way. I'd never noticed it before. I'd walked the beaches for many years and I'd never seen the plastic. And then I noticed more and more and more. And so I began my journey as a beach guardian. I don't collect shells. I don't collect stones. I just collect plastic. Because I know the damage that it does to the sea creatures. And every single piece of plastic that I take back from the ocean and put where it should go is one less piece of plastic to be ingested by a beautiful sea creature like a turtle or a fish or a bird. So I implore you, next time that you are at the beach, think about the plastic that's out there and rather than picking up those beautiful shells, take the rubbish instead. And you know you'll be doing a beautiful thing for the ocean.
4: Are we living in the latest geological epoch, the Anthropocene? Will in time to come future archaeologists dig down into the earth and identify the 20th century as the era that wrapped the earth in plastic? Is the Anthropocene the age of the new human, of plastic people? Are we already plastic people? We're full of it now. Plastic, that is. Our teeth our prosthetics, our enhancements, our skin. In every blood cell, plastic is found. The products we lay on our skin, the water we drink and the food we eat, full of plastic. We live in an era of accelerated change, of population explosion and toxic industrialization, of atomic bombs, planned obsolescence, overconsumption and waste of the connection of the interweb, of all things, of the shifting sands, tipping points and turning tides. our devastating human impact on this, our beloved Mother Earth and her oceanic lungs with toxic petrochemicals, toxic mining, toxic agricultural runoff, toxic fishing detritus and the never-ending stream of plastics being spewed into her every second of every day. It is beyond comprehension. The ship is too big to turn back now. We need to get serious with our recycling of plastics and also understanding the true nature of the way of water. The Anthropocene Queen has learnt to adapt in an ocean full of plastics. Indeed, she heralds the embodiment of the new human. She rises from the depths of her salty realm to sing of a time when she was just a warm-blooded, natural human and also to remind us to look and listen to our own body and how we can adapt and to be extra mindful as to what we
5: put on it and into it. Being a part of this Plastics in the Ocean project has been confronting We want to raise awareness but it has also made me check myself i want to take care of mother earth and water is her lifeblood so that our children's children's children have a livable and healthy planet and waters we as women have a sacred relationship not only with the earth but with her waters both external and internal of our physical bodies the moon has a relationship with the waters on earth too she controls the ebb and flow of the water according to the cycles of the moon We have a 28-day menstrual cycle, just as Grandmother Moon does. This is because, just as the moon regulates the water, she regulates women's bodies. You see, it's in all of our best interests to look after our waters, for it sustains life. We can learn a lot from our first people in relation to how we look after this planet.
0: Thanks for listening to She is Seen, the podcast. I would love it if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or review to help us grow this wonderful community, which you're welcome to join and be part of in whatever way works for you. You can connect with us more on the socials or online at She is Seen Movement. We would love to hear from you, so reach out, get involved, and help us shift shame by sharing stories. Thank you for being here and showing up. This is your weekly reminder that you are enough exactly as you are in this moment. And actually, you're kind of amazing.
3: So thank you, and we'll talk to you soon.